Thank you for joining us today at the Retreat Church Online. We are so glad you chose to participate with us in this way. Have you ever wondered today, like, what happened to, um, like, agreeing with somebody on some points and maybe disagreeing with them on some others, and why our opinions of people today are so extreme, are so extreme? We hear something from um, a preacher, a person, a pastor, a friend, a political um, figure, a news commentator, an author, a blogger, <laughs> somebody on social media, and we go to these extremes. It's like we, we go all the way over here to where this person is so great, this person is so wonderful, um, everything they do is amazing, I fully support and agree with this person, or you know, it goes all the way to the other side of the spectrum. I don't think anything that person ever says is right. He's always a liar. She is always wrong. I am dismissing everything. Oh, if she said it, then forget it. Oh, if he said it, then I'm not even going to consider it. We just go to these crazy, crazy extremes as if a person has the ability to be 100% right all the time. Do you know anybody like that? Do you have any friends? Have you in your life, maybe even for a week or for two weeks or a month or a day, ever been 100% right in everything that you said and did in that particular day? Probably not. I would seriously doubt that you've been 100% correct all of the week and maybe even today. It's about 11.30 on Friday, after, um, Friday morning as I record this. And I would bet that each and every one of us have probably been mistaken about something that we've thought, something that we've said, something that um, we hoped to be true. But in this day and age, it feels like we have no room um, in our relationships to disagree on some points and agree on some others and then find some relational place in between that. It seems like everything has to be so extreme. And in fact, um, I think that's part of human nature because everything see taking place in our culture today. We see taking place in the scriptures. And the book of Acts during this season has been coming alive as we've been studying it. We've seen so many parallels with the first century to the um, 21st century. And I think that's because of human nature. And what I want to talk to you guys about today in the middle of this kind of extreme position where we treat people like they're just the greatest thing ever, we can never disagree with them, or we treat them like the worst thing ever, and we always disagree with them. In the middle of this, I want to talk to you this morning about remaining faithful in a fickle world, because sometimes we feel like we get caught up in that. Some of you are so afraid. Sometimes, I, sometimes I'm like, okay, how many people um, that listen to this or view these videos online or come to our church, how many of these people are, are going to say, oh, Nope, disagree with that, Pastor. I'm out. Never again am I going to listen to you again. Never again am I going to watch another um, midweek retreat video. Never again am I going to listen to a podcast. I'm out. You said that. No more, Pastor. Goodbye. Going to another church. Or how many of you feel like maybe you're one word away, one perspective away from somebody thinking that you're horrible and cutting you off all the way around? And so there seems to be um, in our culture another side of extremes to where we're just saying whatever comes through our brain. And I think you would agree that not everything that goes in here should come out of here, right? I mean, it's called a filter. And so some people lack that today because we seem to be in these places of extreme to where just I'm going to say whatever I 
want. I'm going to say to whoever I want, as rude as I want, as controversial as I want, I don't care. I'm saying it. And then you have other people on the side, well, man, I'm not going to say anything. I'm just going to keep my mouth shut. I'm just going to be quiet. There's something that I um, like to tell myself, never miss an opportunity to shut up um, because I talk so, so much um, that sometimes I'm like, can I just find some opportunities where I, I don't have to say anything. I could just shut up. And uh, some of you are like, dude, we're like two minutes into this thing and I'm already done. Um, but we find ourselves in these kind of extremes. And so I want to talk to you guys today out of the book of, out of, the book of Acts chapter 4. We'll be looking at verse 8 through 28, and we'll be talking about remaining faithful in a fickle world. The first thing we come across as we look at verse 8 through 18 is remaining faithful when they think that you are more than what you really are. When someone's opinion of you is way too high to where you almost would say something um, that you don't believe to see if they would actually um, disagree with you. They think you are like right up there with Moses and Jesus. Well, not Moses because everybody argued with Moses. Um, but, <laughs> but they think you're right up there with Jesus and they hold you at too high of esteem to where you're like, wait a minute, they believe what I say. And you know, when somebody will believe what you say, if you have any, any conscience whatsoever, you, you will be afraid of that. You will look and say, well, I, man, I if they will follow whatever advice I give them, man, I, I need to be careful. So if somebody is looking at you, maybe your kids, maybe your grandkids are thinking, hey, whatever, whatever mom says, whatever grandma says, hey, that's grandma, she loves me, I'm going to do whatever grandma says. Boy, that puts like a weight on you. And you're like, hold on, I don't want to mislead my grandchildren. I don't want to mislead my kids. If we have some friends that trust us and they trust us too much and our friends will follow our advice no matter um, what we, we, we tell them to do. We, we, we got to be careful with that. If you're a person that has any sort of like heart at all, you will have this weight if people are actually following your um, suggestions and your advice. So let's look at what takes place here in Acts chapter 14. We have this. Now in Lystra, there was a man sitting who could not use his feet. He was crippled from birth and had never walked. He listened to Paul speaking, and Paul, looking intently at him, seeing that he had faith to be made well, said in a loud voice, Stand up on your feet. And he sprang up and began walking. And when the crowd saw what Paul had done, they lifted their voices, saying in Lyconian, The gods have come down to us in the likeness of men. Barnabas they called Zeus and Paul Hermes. Because he was the chief speaker and priest and the priest of Zeus, whose temple was at the entrance to the city. They brought oxen and garlands to the, to the gates and wanted to offer sacrifices with the crowds. But when the apostles Barnabas and Paul heard of it, they tore their garments, rushed out into the crowd, crying out, Men, why are you doing these things? Why are, why also are men, we also are men of a like nature with you. And we bring you good news that you should turn from these vain things to a living God who made the heavens and the earth and the sea and all that is in them. In generations, he allowed all the nations to walk in their own ways. 
And yet he did not leave himself without a witness. For he did good by giving you rains from heaven and fruitful seasons, satisfying your hearts with food and gladness. Even with these words, they scarcely retained the people, restrained the people from offering sacrifices to them. So, what are the things that Paul the Apostle and Barnabas did when people had too high of an esteem of who they were? Well, the first thing you noticed as I was reading that, in verse 14, they took their garments, which is a sign of grief, which is a sign of panic, which is a sign of, oh no, that this is not good. Don't do this thing. Don't put me at such a high esteem to where you actually think that the gods have come down and visited you. In fact, he goes on deeper and he starts telling them that I have a human nature like you have a human nature. And I think when we start looking at people that we um, agree with, people that um, we want to follow, people that have spoken into our lives in powerful, powerful ways, we cannot place them too high on on the pedestal because they have a nature like ours. And that nature is fallen. And that nature is prone to be wrong. That That nature can make mistakes. That nature is limited in its perspective and its understanding of reality. And so when we think about people following our advice, and we think of people that will do what we ask them to do, people that will live and make changes and adjustments to our life, that will seek out our advice and then actually follow our advice. There needs to be an understanding that the advice giver and the advice receiver are of same nature, of the same nature. And there's a tremendous weight in being listened to. There's a tremendous weight in in somebody taking your advice. And some people love you so much. Some people respect you so much that they will do what you tell them to do. And you need to be very, very careful with this kind of thing when people are holding you in a high esteem. Now notice what Paul does then. He, as he reminds them that he has the same nature as they do, he brings them good news. He said, look, we're just people like you, but we're bringing you good news. And then he talks about the author of that good news, that the author of that good news was Jesus himself, that Jesus is the one that's revealing God to us. And then he speaks about God as the creator. Remember, they had this temple of of Zeus in in their nation. So what they thought, it was very common in the first century uh, Greek world to believe that the God often come down in the form forms of men and reveal themselves to them. And all each God had the capacity to do this. And so in, in the first century, that was the common belief. Can you imagine? See, like today, it's the, the, the flip side of that. We don't necessarily believe that any gods um, would literally like make these common visitations. We, we as Christian people believe that God did it once through the person of Jesus, but we don't believe that this is a common occurrence throughout our day, that this is just part of the world that we live in, that various gods visit our world in various times through various people. That, that's not part of our normal lifestyle. We don't typically talk about that. We don't believe that that actually happens. So in this world when they believed that a God becoming a man and revealing himself to people was part of their normal occurrence according to the territory in which they lived and what God they believed in or the multiplicity of gods that they believed in. See, Paul then points them to the creator God, to Yahweh. He points them to him and he says, hey, in times past, he's let you be kind of ignorant with this stuff, but he still brought rain 
to you. He still brought food to you. He allowed you to, to still survive and still thrive in the midst of practicing in this ignorance. But then he said, when Jesus came, he has a new standard now. And so Paul and Barnabas, when people hold them at too high of an esteem, they bear the grief of that. They talk of their common human nature to one another. And then they redirect people to the God who is the real source of truth. And when people hold you and I at too high of an esteem, we should follow this advice of Paul the Apostle and Barnabas in their example. But what about the other way around? What about this time when we have to remain faithful when they think that we are worse than what we really are? What about if you were to say something and someone would be agree with that, and in the common extreme nature of our culture today, they would simply um, ignore you. They would cancel you. They would cut you off. They would never again seek your advice at all. They would never again seek your opinion. You disagreed with them on one point, and so they cast you aside all others. So how do we deal with that? What example does Paul and Barnabas set for us? That section is in chapter 14 as well, verses 19 through 28. And we notice here in verse 19, but Jews came from Antioch and Iconium, the previous cities that Paul and Barnabas had been visiting, and having persuaded the crowds, they stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city, supposing that he was dead. But when the disciples gathered around him, he arose up and entered the city, and on the next day he went on to, uh, you know, with Barnabas to Derbe. When they had preached the gospel to that city and made many disciples, they returned to Lystra and to Iconium and to Antioch, strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith, and saying that through many tribulations they must enter the kingdom of God. And when they had appointed elders for them in every church with prayer and fasting, they committed to the Lord in whom they had believed. Then they passed through Pisidia and came to Pamphylia. And when they had spoken the word in Persia, they went down to Attilia, and from there they sailed to Antioch. When they had been commanded to the grace of God for the work that they had fulfilled. And when they arrived and gathered the church together, they declared all that God had done with them and how, they had op- how God had opened a door of faith to the Gentiles, and they remained no little time with the disciples. And so right away we see this massive switch that they do a miracle, they do one good thing, and all of a the sudden they're ready to believe that they are manifestations of the gods and they want to worship them and sacrifice to them and then as Paul and Barnabas show us how to navigate that kind of a thing right in that moment you have a group of Jews come into the city and they persuade the crowd and they go from wanting to worship them to wanting to stone that is an extreme they go from thinking that they are gods to thinking they are blasphemers and they are punishable to being stoned to death so What did Paul and Barnabas do in this situation when they were extremely hated and wanting to get rid of? The first thing we notice in verses 20 and 21 is they kept showing up. See, that's what you have to do and what I have to do in people's lives. They want to take you, and if they disagree with you at one point, they want to cast you aside. They want to get rid of you. They want to 
cut their relationship off with you. They want to unfriend you. They want to get rid of you. And our job as Christian people, our job of followers of Jesus is to simply keep showing up in their life. Isn't it amazing how people that maybe your relationship is strained, things have gone on, you're no longer really talking together, and then, you, and then all of a sudden it seems like you start seeing them everywhere around town. Every time you go to the gas station, there they are. Every time you get coffee, there they are. Every time you go to the grocery store, there they are. And they're just there. They keep showing up. God keeps putting them in your path because he doesn't want those relationships to be destroyed. And so with people that disagree with us, and we love them. We have to keep showing up in their life. That's what Paul and Barnabas began to do. Also, we see that they did not forget that among those that hated them, there were those that needed them. Catch what I'm saying? Among the group, there were people in that city that hated them. But they couldn't just leave and abandon that city because in that city there were people that needed them. And notice what Paul and Barnabas did, that they encouraged them. So there are people, there are segments of people, individual people. If we say, well, I'm I'm part of this small group and well, the leader said one thing, I'm never going back there again. Or a participant said one thing, I'm never going back there again. Well, what about the other people? They need your presence. They need you in their life. What if you're part of a local church and right now you're listening to this video because you're mad at your pastor. You're mad at your, as a member of your congregation. And so you're there in your church and one person says something wrong with you and you leave. Pastor says one thing you disagree with, you leave. There are other people in that community that need you and need the encouragement that comes from your presence. And so we must, when people want to get rid of us, when we are going to need to remain faithful in this fickle world, we have to continue to show up and continue to encourage the people that will keep listening and that still want to be in relationship with us. Notice also that Paul, the apostle, and Barnabas in verses 23 through 26, that they set the goal of finishing that which God had called them to do. Finishing. Boy, how many times do we set out to be used of God in the lives of other people, in the lives of a community, and at the first sign of trouble or second sign of trouble, we simply quit as if God didn't know that was going to happen. As if somehow when God calls you into relationship and God calls you into ministry, that as God called you into ministry, he didn't see that coming. That that thing that happened in your life that causes you to go, well, maybe I'm not supposed to be here. Oh, well, maybe I'm not supposed to be helping that person. Or maybe I'm not supposed to be speaking into that group. Maybe I'm not supposed, no, wait a minute. If God called you, He knew that that fight or that disagreement or that opposition or that trouble, he knew that was going to happen and he called you to that. And so we cannot believe that somehow God will call us to do something and and then we're not supposed to finish that. We are to keep showing up. We are to keep encouraging people. We are to finish the calling that God has placed upon our heart. And then finally, the last few verses help help us to understand that we are to look at the big picture of what God has accomplished. 
it's hard sometimes in the day-to-day, isn't it, when you have someone um, really disagreeing with you, and they no longer want to talk to you, they no longer want to uh, interact with you, and they've taken this extreme position that because um, they disagree on one thing you said, that all of a sudden everything you say is wrong. It's hard for us to not get stuck right in the immediacy of that moment. We have to pull back, and we have to see the big picture of what God is doing. So if you are in one of these positions where you're feeling the weight of somebody thinking that you're more wonderful than what you are, and I'm sure that you know everyone listening to this, watching this is great. I, I, you're wonderful and, and Jesus loves you, but some people have way too high of an opinion of you and you're feeling the weight. You're feeling the weight of that. You're afraid to speak out. You're afraid to give advice because um, they, if it's wrong advice, if it's bad advice, they will still do it and you love them and you care for them. You're feeling the weight of somebody believing in you. Keep sharing with them that you are human like they are, that you're fallible, your advice is not perfect, your words aren't somehow uh, um, um, holy, <laughs> they're, they're not Scripture in and of themselves, but we need to keep pointing people back to the Scriptures, back to the one that does have all the answers, back to the one that is always right, and that is Jesus as He reveals God in the Scriptures and in His flesh. But if you are in the other position and you are feeling like um, everybody has rejected you and the people that, that you love, you've said one thing wrong and maybe you even know it was wrong. Maybe you acknowledge that it was a mistake. Maybe you acknowledge that you were in error, but they still won't re-engage with you. They still have rejected you. What do we do in these situations? I believe that in the book of Romans we see an answer and we'll give it quickly and then finish. It says, you and I are not everything, but you are something important. Did you get a hold of that? You are not everything. You don't have all the answers. You don't have a market on all of the truth. You do have some. You are somebody significant. You are somebody special. You can contribute. You can make a difference in people's lives. Let's look at Romans chapter 12, verses 3 through 8, as Paul says this, For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each one of you. For just as each one of us has one body and has many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, from, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is to serve, then serve. If it is to teach, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do so diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. You are not, you and I are not everything, but we are something. And in a world of extremes where somebody either wants to think that you're infallible or you cannot do anything right, if you just keep showing up, working out your faith, remembering that we must stay faithful in a fickle world by being those people that God has called us to be. God bless you. We'll see you next time.